One part stillness, one part scream. Both will help unravel your soul from the pain. One part story mixed with two parts surrender. These will ground you even as you fly. A meditation to taste. A garden of plants that feed your body and heart. The happy face of a fierce and fearless ten-year-old brown baby. These will offer your spirit a place to land, a rhythm to dance to, a ritual of reaping. Finally, a double dab of spice laced in language. Because boundaries are a thing, and you've always been good at tests. Be sure that once your healing is mostly done, because it never cooks all the way, once it's cooled, you sop up all the grace with joy. A Recipe for Healing by Tracy Lewis Jiggets. Open your heart, share what you feel, no matter the subject, you can always be real. Hard talk with Tracy Michelle, hard talk with Tracy Michelle. Hey, thank you so much, my sugar plum. Thank you so much to Kay Simone for our new intro for season three. That's my sweet girl, my baby girl. Um, She's taking guitar lessons and we decided to have her open up the show and I'm so glad I did. Um, Listen, y'all. So I've been thinking a little bit about joy, obviously. Um, But really, I've gotten so many people over the last few months or so asking me about what, what I mean when I say what joy feels like in the body, right? Because I think when we think about joy, I think we think of it in abstract. Right. Like we remember we have our memories of happy moments or joyful moments. Right. Graduation, um, double dutching, (laughs) you know, whatever it is. Um, But like I don't I'm not sure if we always I know I didn't make the connection between those memories and what we actually felt in the moment. And I honestly I mean, just from my personal experience, know that when we are able to do that, when we are able to connect the moment that we're in to what we're feeling in our bodies, and you'll probably all season long hear me talk about that, using language like somatic, embodied, that kind of thing, because I just realized just how important it is to pay attention to what our bodies are telling us and what our bodies are announcing to us, right? Because sometimes what's going on in our soul and our spirit and our minds uh, makes itself known in the body first before we even get to, you know, being able to articulate it, before we even really get to being able to say, oh, today was a joyful day or yesterday or, you know, what 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 is the... Um, 
the TikTok, uh, we had a time last night. We had a time, right? Like, you know, before we even are able to process that we have experienced joy, a lot of times our bodies are already there. And it's the same with every other emotion. Like before we even realize that we're super angry and we start acting out, cussing folk out, whatever it is, whatever you do when you're angry, our bodies have been knowing, right? Like our bodies have already begun the work and process to show us, right? And I talked about that a little bit in the last episode, and I want to continue a little bit on that track. I promise you we're going to get to a bunch of other stuff. Um, But, you know, I think for Black folks in particular, joy has always been a very embodied experience. I mean, oftentimes, and maybe this is just in light of our historical experience, right? Like the the only ways that we were allowed for it to show up, right? And, I, you know, I say that and then when I think about it, I'm like, no, because culturally, even from, you know, our roots, our African roots, right? Like that's not the case. It's really culturally always been an embodied experience. And I, and I think that is a human thing, but I think it's very culturally specific to Black folks. Grandma, (laughs) granny, happy at church, getting happy, you know, that rocking back and forth, right? Um, I think, you know, we didn't always have the language that we have today. Like, there's a lot of language being thrown out, Um, psychological language, right? Like, oh, she's gaslighting me, or oh, I have trauma. Like, people are are tasting these words a lot of times for the first time. I would say, you know, due to social media, due to access to information over the last five or 10 years. Um, So, but before that, like, we didn't really have a language all the time for what was going on in our body. So, grandma... (laughs) or big mom, you know, would rock back and forth at church because it was soothing and it felt good. And it felt like there was, uh, it was a response to the moment of joy because so-and-so, sister so-and-so sang the song or because the preacher, you know, said something that resonated, right? But I don't know if Big Ma knew that that was bilateral stimulation and that when you rock back and forth, something is happening in your brain that actually is self-soothing, right? And that you're actually physically moving that stuff, that trauma, the hardship of the week, whatever, the shame, moving it out the body, right? Or throughout the body, you know, like, I just feel like, you know, I, I wish that I even myself... (laughs) the big age of 47 years old, you know, had the language 20 years ago or 30 years ago for what was happening in my body, in my mind, etc. And if you think about like dance, arts, sports, double dutch, that scalp scratching (laughs) that we get, you know, sitting in between auntie's legs and part that scalp and put that grease down that and that sensation, right? It's joy, it's pleasure, it's, it's almost ecstasy. <laughs> you can you tell I, I love to have somebody scratch my scalp, right? Um, it is an embodied experience, that pleasure. Uh, but I, I, I do suspect that this is also because trauma is embodied, right? Like if we know that uh, joy is embodied, we can experience it that way, then we we have to acknowledge that these other things are embodied. These other emotions are embodied also, right? Which is goes back to what I just said. When you're angry, your body often is the first part of you that experiences that. 
So I think in in like likewise, if you have the experience of being a black person in this country or even the diasporic, right, global experience, some of our history, some of the things that are passed down, not all, but some have to do with this transgenerational trauma experience as a result of colonization, the transatlantic slave trade, redlining, segregation, police brutality, all the things that are a part of our history and as well as part of our present day, right? And so if trauma can live in the body, and listen, I'm not going to debate that there is so much evidence, you know, around epigenetics, around you know, why certain things, uh, traumatic things are passed down from generation to generation. It That's a real thing. But if it can live in the body transgenerationally, so can love, so can joy, so can peace. These things that we aspire to in our lives, uh, we aspire to have in our lives, tend to also go to the places that need it the most, where healing is needed the most. And that is the body, right? And so I've just been thinking about that and and really trying to translate that into my own personal life. You know, I, for instance, I've lately been trying to figure out how and why I'm so drawn to the ocean, even to the extent that I, you know, recently during the middle of a whole pandemic moved to be near the ocean. Um, and I used to think it was about the calming sound of the waves, the crashing of the, you know, that calm that it brings me. And that is certainly part of the reasons. But I, I think I'm also figuring out that it is much, much, much deeper than that. See, I have this I don't, I don't even know what you might call it, but it's a trauma response, basically, where my body stays mostly in a contracted state. So my muscles are super, super tight. If I happen to be, you know, experiencing anxiety, it's even worse. And it has become sometimes worse to the point where I can be like standing washing the dishes and my feet are gripping the ground as if I think I'm going to fall over or I'm going to fly away, right? Like I mean, my body is responding to the need for stability. And, you know, yes, this is something that's physically happening in my body. There are, you know, my muscles are contracting. Yeah, like I said, my feet, they're gripping. That's a physical thing, but it's also a trauma response. It's an attempt to feel safe. It's an attempt to be in control when things feel out of control, whether that feeling of being out of control is actually happening, right? Or if it's just happening in my mind, which for a lot of times, you know, for me, it is happening in my mind. And so I've always been that way, or at least I think I've been that way since I was a child, but it's gotten progressively worse over the years, this kind of gripping and it's only within, I guess, the last five years or so through really being conscious of what's happening in my body, that awareness, right? Uh, prayer, meditation, movement, whether that's yoga, walking, whatever, um, that I've learned to actually pay attention to when my body is gripping itself and the muscles cannot, you know, release, right? Like, like when I you know, no matter how many deep breaths I take, sometimes the body just won't release those muscles, right? And so I've become more consciously aware of when I'm holding my body that tight 
Um, and then I began to do to use my tools, right, to loosen that. But it's still a daily thing for me. It's still daily work. And the interesting thing is that when, but when I go to the ocean, there's something about the water that helps me release my muscles. There is a relaxation. So yes, that's calming in the very general set. Like I feel a sense of well-being, but it's also a very physical thing that happens. My muscles relax, right? Hmm. Right. I feel settled in my body, not just in my mind. So like when I'm in my house or more inland, so to speak, um, I have to be ever aware and ever present of what my body is doing so that I can release those muscles and release that contracted tight state. But when I go to the water, which now is only 15 minutes away, <laughs> you know, I can allow, get some help right from nature. Nature can assist us. It's the reason why when we go out from the city and maybe we drive out to the country and we're, you know, by the trees, that there's something that shifts in our body. Now, we can talk about like all of the pollution and all the electronic pollution that happens in cities or whatever. Listen, I know to stay in my lane. (laughs) That's not my ministry. I can't really speak to that very clearly. But what I do know is what my body feels Right. And I know that there is God has given us nature and we've been given uh, access in a lot of times to just walk in the grass barefoot or to, you know, take a drive somewhere. Or in my case, if you have access, go to a body of water, whether that's the ocean and a beach or the lake or the river. When I lived in Philly, you know, we would just go to the river, the dirty Schuylkill or the dirty Delaware. Um, but there was still a calming effect. It wasn't as dramatic as the ocean, but it definitely had an impact. Right. And I just really, I don't know, I really believe that God gave us these bodies of water, not to pollute, but to offer us a kind of balance. And there's something that gives me pure joy about the ocean and even in its depths, its fierceness and its scariness sometimes that is soothing. And that, like I said, for me is a kind of joy. So sometimes, you know, when I talk about joy, um, I, I, you know, I get folks talking about other emotions, right? And how, you know, it's, they feel like their joy or their sorrow or their rage is pent up, right? Some of us are afraid to cry or to allow emotion of any kind to rise and release, Right. And so when people ask me about the tears that show up for me when I'm reading stories that I've told or I've written about in Black Joy and the tears that those stories provoke, I often say that the tears are healing. These emotions, I, you know what, I spent a lot of time in environments, you know, when I was younger that told me that my emotions were, were too much, that I was too sensitive, Right. And that whether that was my excitement, like how excited I get when I'm really into something or I'm creating something or whether it is, you know, my tears, my my quick to cry, uh, my ability to be quick to cry, I guess. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, and, and, and for a time, hey, I shut it down. 
because it wasn't accepted. And because I also had this other part of me, this other version of myself that desired acceptance, which I, I talked about in the last episode, um, I believed those lies. And so I shut the part of me that was more expressive down. I let it go. Um, but the problem is, is that those emotions are healing. And so when I shut it down, I cut myself off for some very real healing. And so I do want to say to anyone who's listening, your tears are healing. Your joy is healing. If the tears are showing up, it doesn't mean that all the time it's sorrow or it's sadness or it's some kind of despair. It could mean that maybe there's just something that needs to be released. When that laughter comes, it doesn't mean you're um, extra or the most or or whatever people want to attach to that. It just means that your laughter is releasing something, right? Even if the tears are from painful memories or experiences, releasing them oftentimes is the gateway to healing, right? You're cleansing out all that stuff. I, I tell the story of when I um, was sick in 2019, I would just turn on uh, stand-up comedy <laughs> shows on Netflix and I'd watch them back to back to back. And there was something about my laughter that put my pain at bay, at least for a moment. Right. Which in that moment gave me respite, gave me calm, gave me a little bit of rest from constantly thinking about, you know, how my body was hurting. And so I, I you know, I'm I'm talking about all of these different ways that, you know, joy and other emotions are embodied because um, I'm, I'm not only seen it myself. I just know that that cleansing sometimes is backed up in folks. Right. And we need to the freedom, we need to feel free and give ourselves permission to be free to express those emotions, joy in particular. Again, joy is our birthright. I'm probably going to say that every episode, that joy is is not something that we have to go outside of ourselves to find, but it's present. And maybe it's deep, deep, deep down underneath some stuff, some mess. I get it. You may have to do some work to dig it up, but it's there. But sometimes the other things in our bodies, our rage, our sorrow, our grief, they're so big in our body that we can't feel, we can't access, we can't identify joy. So as part of what tears do in helping us release a little bit of stuff, release some stuff, um, so that we can see the joy, right? So we can make room for it. So when we cry because we're grieving, we are making room for joy that's kind of deep down underneath that sorrow and underneath that grief. And I know our ancestors knew this. Grandmama intuitively, even if she didn't have the language for it, knew this. And it's why they could still laugh and dance and sing despite being enslaved despite living in Jim Crow, despite living in terror, despite living today even in the world that feels hard and sometimes chaotic, I think the idea that joy and pain can live in the same container is not a new one. But I, I think that it's something that, you know, we've forgotten in a lot of ways. And I want us to embrace it and Maybe then we'll be okay to laugh, to let our tears fall, to heal. Yep. So 
that's me on my soapbox. You know, I always have a bunch of things <laughs> to say. Um, but let's go to the phones. I told you guys this season will be taking calls. And so let's go ahead and go to the phones and see what we got, what folks are talking about. All righty. Thank you for calling Heart Talk with Tracy Michelle. How's your heart today? Hi, this is Dr. C. And I just wanted to, um, I guess, comment on the Black Joy experience. I'm so excited that there's actually a book now available to all of us that talks about it. Um, but when I'm thinking about Black Joy as as a Black woman, middle-aged Black woman um, who's also in the healthcare, the behavioral healthcare field, Black Joy is something that we continually strive for, even if we don't think we are. Um, so I think that the question that I would have to pose to anyone that was listening would be, how do we maintain that natural black joy that we have when we're born? You know, life life consistently tries to take it away from us. But what do we have to do as people to maintain that joy and enjoy our lives and and walk and talk and think in joy as opposed to sadness, depression, and oppression, which is what we're faced with every day? So I just, um, that's a question that I have. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you, Dr. C, for calling in. You know, I think my first thought to your comment and question um, is probably something that I've been saying over and over again, and it's around intentionality. When you ask, you know, how do we retain our joy, you know, that joy that is our birthright that we've had from the very beginning, but again, gets knocked down by life, by oppression, by whatever comes our way, by trauma, right? Um, you know, I, I think it requires, number one, an awareness, right? I didn't know that I was not in touch with my joy until my therapist, right, which is the reason why I definitely recommend therapy, um, said, Tracy, what does joy feel like in your body? It never occurred to me to to even connect these moments of happiness or these mo this moment of joy with something physical in my body, right? And so that piece, that question put me on a path and put me on a journey. And if there's anything that I hope that this book does is begin to pe put people on their personal path to joy, right? Because I think that it may look different for every person. But the first thing is you have to be aware that you're not on the path first, right? And so I think the awareness, maybe it's reading this book, maybe it's in therapy, Maybe it's in the girlfriend chat. Maybe something comes up in your life that kind of brings your um, this deficit of joy to your attention. And then once you're aware of it, it's like, you know, what does Mother Maya say, right? When you know better, you do better, right? And so I think then it becomes about being intentional 
And that what I talked about last episode, which was that joy list, right? Like, what can I do today that will bring me joy? Even if it's a small, small, small thing, right? But here's another piece of it, because I think this is a part that I have not been talking about. And you bring that up for me, Dr. C. And that is the responsibility that we have as a community, Part of Black Joy is about community care, right? So I've been contemplating and thinking about what the responsibility is that we have to our sibling, to our sister, to our brother, you know, um, to our sib, right? To love and to care and to offer opportunities for the joy to be expressed, you know what, I think I'm going to take a whole episode in the future and talk about that because I think that's a piece of your question of how do we retain our joy from, you know, the beginning till when life gets starts lifing, right? You know, and that's part of it has to do with who is around you, you know? Do, are your friends or your, you know, family, are they on a, a joy path, right? And If they aren't, that doesn't mean you necessarily kick them to the curb, but like it might be very telling if you don't have a community that can encourage you to be aware or conscious of your joy, right? And and can support you in living a life of joy. So thank you so much, Dr. C, because I think you gave me a whole nother episode to talk about it. But, you know, hopefully that those three things are a starting point for all of us, right? Are we aware of the deficits or I don't even want to say deficit because I, I feel like the joy is always present, but we, we haven't been able to access it. Right. So the, the inaccessibility of joy, right. And un or in you, you guys, you know, you can help me with that. <laughs> but, um, you know, like I, I feel like there is a, part of us that just needs to be aware right and then after we're aware how intentional are are we right are we actively on a daily basis looking for opportunities for joy and then finally what does our what does our community look like do we have community supports do we have community care in place that can help us on our joy plan on our joy path so I think that's how I'd answer the question listen y'all I feel like I am just overwhelmed with emotion and so excited about this season and all the things that I can talk about as it relates to Black Joy. Um, I thank you so much for listening again to episode two now of the new season three, um, all about Black Joy, Heart Talk with Tracy Michelle. And again, be well. And if you cannot be well, just be. Open your heart. You feel no matter the subject, you can always be real. Hard talk with Tracy Michelle. Hard talk with Tracy Michelle. Hard talk with Tracy Michelle. Hard talk with Tracy.